Jumbo, Jumbo Karibu everybody, Jumbo Karibu. My name is Dr. Ruth Vitamo Akumbu and this is Jumbo Dr. Akumbu podcast. Bringing you cultural relevant multifaceted conversations and reflections intersecting education, entertainment and business committed to DEIB and cultural capacity building. Today my guest is the wonderful and the beautiful Perez Oeno. So, Perez is the writer and the director of Bound, African versus African Americans, winner of the Audience Award for Best Documentary at the Pan-African Film Festival. She's also an NAACP Image Award nominee for Seasons of Love, which was produced by Taraji Hansen. What I'm most excited about today is she is the co-writer of African Queens, Nyenga, currently on netflix i watched the whole season as soon as it dropped and oh absolutely loved it and it did not hit me until i had a conversation with another friend that paris was the writer a co-writer of this uh tv series so if you have not seen the tv series please go and see it go and see it she's a brilliant writer and I'm excited that we're going to have this time with her today. So let's welcome Paris Owino. Jumbo, Jumbo, Paris. Say, my dad. Yeah, Jumbo. <laughs> I know like three words, so. Oh, don't start then. Don't, don't start because we can go in here. We can, we can go deep. <laughs> we can go deep with any language. We, yeah, we, we, we can go here, man. Like, oh, Jumbo Perez, hello. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Usianze kama uwezi. Oh, wow. It's so <laughs> great to have you. Oh, it's great to be had, I think. Wow, it's been so long. <laughs> so, what's up, girl? Wow, here we are. Oh, wow. It. I am I am so like excited to have this mm-hmm. conversation because it's like from the moment that I I I that um the Queen uh, Jenga dropped on Netflix. I just sat down and I dropped everything. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you gave it those two thumbs up. I did. As soon as I finished the whole series, <laughs> I went on my social media. Yeah. Like, I did not give it a minute after I was done to go yeah. on social media because I I love everything African. I love our I, I love the work. Um Mm-hmm. I love seeing the work and our history represented. I, I, I am a big Pan-African fan. Nice. So I keep my eyes out on everything that um, is African and, or, or uh, black, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. When was the last time uh, we saw each other? Yeah uh wow so i think the last time we saw each other was probably we met up on wisher for something that was a gazillion years ago yeah pre 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 pandemic oh wow that was like pre 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 pandemic yeah man <laughs> that was years ago that was that so many years ago yeah so um and since then i know i when you when you did um 
Africans versus African Americans. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I got a chance to see it. Yeah, I don't think I got a chance to see it. Mm -hmm. And um, but I know, I know of it. I uh, uh, we talked. I think we talked about it a little bit, but uh, I never got a chance to see it. Um, yeah. So congratulations on that. And thank you. Absolutely big congratulations on Africans versus African American, but on uh, African Queens Jinga. Yeah. Like African Queens Jinga just grabbed my heart so so dearly because mm -hmm. lately when when um when black uh, when uh, uh, the woman king came out, yes, what happened was I had a lot of a pushback from people about okay. story and things and 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 almost as saying the history just it wasn't even we know it's a fiction but the, the the attack came from a historical perspective almost like well i read this other story i read this other story so i was like i need to talk to an african historian so i got in an african historian that came in and talked a little bit about uh, the movie and her book that she wrote on african queens and so my eyes now are like on high alert on any African writer that is talking about mm -hmm. African, African story, reclaiming the African history or the African queens and things like that. So when I saw your stuff, mm -hmm. it was, I, I didn't know it, I didn't know you had a hand in it. I was just excited yeah. that Queen Njinga was being uh, talked about. Njinga was uh, was being talked about. So I I just jumped in and started watching, and I just been watch the whole thing because I was just so excited and just glad to see it and then i'm talking to this friend like i was saying and then they mentioned that oh you did something then i went back i was like wait who's the writer of this thing <laughs> yeah but no. i'm curious i know this is about an interview about me but i'm curious about what the historian said about woman king um well i have the i think the series i have a, a the, the i'll drop the link in the bio for anybody else who wants to, to hear it but um i think the key thing for her was that um she the one her book was one of the books that got consulted from the making of the woman king and mm -hmm. the, the reason the thing that i really wanted to hear was what was the role of the african queens and the kings in the slave trade and um her position was that in that time period they, they were kingdom builders and the kings made the decision. It wasn't like the whole of this African villages just decided we're gonna just start selling our own. It was a strategic decision from the king, whoever the king was, in any place that slaves were sold or uh, um, yeah. Afri Africans were sold. Yes, right. Africans were sold, not slaves. Where Africans were sold, that um, that it was a strategic decision. It was never just a, 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 some form of vendetta or just some of wickedness or just something that we do because it gave us pleasure or the kings did at the time because he gave them pleasure. It wasn't. It was a strategic, strategic decision to build kingdom, to protect kingdoms, to, to, to maybe even reduce the impact of the colonizers and the, the enslavers and and other issues in society at the time. Okay, so that was that was kind of um, that was that was nice uh, perspective based on everything else everybody else was googling and saying, and um, and I think it it, it, boils, it came back to the whole thing 
where I felt like without the historians, people were pinning African Americans or or or, or Africans that were on the American continent or Africans that were uh, that had slave ancestry against the the, the gener first generation Africans or Africans that are on the continent because like there was that now that conflict where um, I would be, they'll be like well your ancestors sold us like you you people sold us right which comes to your to you should have, you should have watched that yes right which comes that's, to that's that's African, yes, yes, and I think I, I don't think I mentioned it, but I it, rem I, it reminded me of just I, just knowing the 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 the, the name African versus Amer African Americans, and uh, it kept reminding me of that because it was like you had the foresight of this movie. <laughs> I knew that if the stories start coming up, we were gonna get <laughs> like clashes between yeah. us, and you told a story about it, and um. It will. It, I think that um, it's a valuable story. It is your your work so far has been really intricate. The things that you are working on, especially with Bound and 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 uh, African versus African American. Now, which takes me, what is your your main motivation? Like I've talked about me and my excitement and everything, but what is your main <laughs> motivation? Ah, <laughs> uh, one thing that I've I found that I enjoy doing is I like to get two people who find themselves in different parts of history, in desperate and uh, in opposite sides of history, and get them to sit at a table together and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. To put it in a nutshell, that's what bound is. Mm -hmm. uh, my my stories, how can I put them? I I have two buckets stories mm -hmm. that I tell. Like there's the projects that I call legacy projects, the mm -hmm. sports, the ones that you want to leave behind. Mm -hmm. And then there are the ones you want to entertain. Mm -hmm. But I usually find that even when I go to try and entertain, <laughs> it always ends up in some shape or form to have a negative legacy. What is it that I want to say? Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to Jinga, when it comes to Bound, those are very important to me because that's about the diaspora. That's about Africa and her children. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and a conversation that I think needs to be had. It's 500 years in the making, 400, 500 years in the making. And, and I believe it's very important that Africans and African-Americans, Caribbean, uh, Afro-Caribbeans, uh, uh, Latino-Americans, Afro-Latinos have to take control of this conversation. Mm -hmm. We have to have this conversation, but I also don't believe it's a conversation that we need to have publicly. I feel like this is a very intimate conversation. It's a very intimate wound. Mm -hmm. that we have to make space for each other to rage mm -hmm. and uh, and to mourn and to cry mm -hmm. and to not want to be African and to want to be African, that we should make space for every eventuality because there's a lot of pain mm -hmm. that exists within this space. And each one of us manifests that pain in a very different way. Mm -hmm. And there's a sp pain that is uniquely uh, uniquely diaspora, which is uniquely Jamaican, uniquely Trinidad, uniquely Haiti, uniquely Cuba, uniquely Af American, uniquely Colombian, Venezuelan, Brazilian. Each region is going to have its very unique pain because of its very unique experience. And then there's going to be a very unique pain that comes from the continent of Africa. There's a different pain from Anglo-colonized Africans to Francophones. That's true. Belgian-colonized Africans, the, the experience of the Rwandan and the 
Congolese is very different from the experience of the Nigerian and the Kenyan. And the Kenyan had the white colonists living in there because they wanted to eradicate the blacks and make it a white country. The Nigerians had a different type of colonialism, which was more external as opposed to they were internally engaged, which is very different from South Africa that had to fight with the Dutch, then they had to fight with the English, then go back to fight with the Dutch. So each diasporic place, and then when you go to the Middle East, it's a different conversation with the Africans mm -hmm. or in India, the Africans. So it, the diaspora has a very unique um, history in that most of us ended up where we are outside of the continent, not by choice. Mm -hmm. It's very different that somebody was like, oh, I'm going to skip onto the Mayflower and go off to America and find, you know, no African was like, oh my God, I am done with this with this, you know, coconut tree. Now I'm going to go find where we were not having those kinds of conversations. It was a ripping apart. It was a very violent right. experience. And that balance remains in the DNA. That pain is, is etched in there. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take a while to tease it out because it was not that, that was the, that, that one ripping was not the only one. Right. Once the, the tearing happened, then there was the walk into the dungeon, then there was the leaving the continent, then there was the pain on the ship, then there was those who, the trauma just continued. Then there was getting to the destination, the middle passage, there was the breaking, then there was going to the plantation. So there was this, there was just a constant dehumanization and a constant breaking of the soul. And that is imprinted throughout the generations and we have to, the importance of knowing these stories, the importance of knowing Jinga, of doing the bounds, is to make, is to create a place where we understand each other's work as best as we can because it's a difficult thing to understand sometimes because our own experience kind of comes in and collides with this mm -hmm. but to also make space so we are quicker to grace and slower to judgment with one another mm -hmm. we have to do that because mm -hmm. the trauma it's trauma meeting trauma and then it's just hey! right. you know we, it's, it's also an understanding that when you come to the United States and I can only speak as somebody who is in the United States mm -hmm. it's to understand upon whose shoulders you stand so then you don't come here and then start mouthing off nonsense, you know. And you don't understand upon whose shoulders you're upon whose shoulders you're standing. Because if not for the civil rights, if not for Frederick Douglass, if not for Stockley Carmichael, if not for all these people, we're on boats. Yes. Yes. So stop for a minute. Check that ego there in the corner, and when somebody tells you, "No, you're black, and you're very different from the other one," he says, "Hold up, that's a teaching moment now." because mm -hmm. you, you have to realize that we were not brought here to conform. I always tell Africans, you were not brought here to conform. It's like walking into a burning house and saying, okay, I'm about to move in. <laughs> you were not brought in here to conform. You are here to inform and change the conversation. You're here to pick your people, to give something, not to take so much. Because this world is going to hell in a handbasket because the West is leading and the East is not going to do any better. I can tell you that for free. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let the wise understand what you just said let the wise understand what you just said right yeah. there that is because the as long yeah. as you follow the pattern that's in place then you don't understand the value of you being an african you don't understand the value of you being the source you don't understand the value of being old spirit coming in here and saying this don't look right mm -hmm. and then you tell them why it doesn't look right they might listen they might not but you have said it doesn't look right you don't then come in and say oh i'm gonna walk in here with my little baton and do that's a whole lot of mess <laughs> that's a mess that is so true that you is cannot come to the united states you cannot be an african and come and see homeless people and be okay with that no that makes no sense there's the, the word homeless does not exist in any african language no go find it no no it doesn't 
it does it not exist. Most, that was the first time in my life I, I, I had purse. I came, I, I was in Michigan and my friend decided to take me for, for lunch before I moved to uh, Minnesota. Mm. And that was the first time I saw homeless people and begging for food on the street. It my brain couldn't wrap around it. And I had just come from the United from Cameroon and I was in, in, in Michigan for about a month. Yeah. So that was the shock to me was incredible. I was like, why what? You mean they're gonna sleep outside? You mean they're going they're not gonna have food? You mean wait, and these people are mentally sound and everything? Even those that are not mentally sound in our African countries, somebody still tries to take them in. So it was yeah. really in interesting to me. And and all this is everywhere. Believe yeah. me, all this exists in Kenya. We have a lot of street children. But the whole concept is of the concept it mm -hmm. is we have to start asking the right questions because we are quote unquote late in the game. Because you know, we are the third world. Yeah. But what the good thing about being third world is then you have the value of looking at the landscape and seeing, do I want to participate in that? Mm -hmm. Or do I want to change it? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. because for me, sometimes when I see some stuff, I'm like, I don't know why anybody would want to be like, can we figure out how to have a different conversation? So that's what bound is. Right. Let's find a way. We see what the problem is. You know what the problem is. Right. So then come in here with a solution. Right. Don't add to the problem and then don't sit and just talk about the problem. That takes right. us nowhere. Exactly. Find a way to solve it. It may be an it may be a small thing, but just add your little bit of solution to the problem. Because mm -hmm. God knows everybody likes to talk about problems. It's very <laughs> tedious, in my opinion. Um, I think maybe because everybody is so super educated here, people want to analyze and define educated. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, define educated, educated as in intellect, as in I have gone to school, I've earned a piece of paper, this is my level, now let's analyze and analyze and analyze. So we're following a textbook version of being educated, not necessarily being smart or street smart, learning how to solve problems, learning how to overcome, learning how to navigate challenging situations. We just think, oh, what does the textbook tells me to do in this situation? And then we start cracking, which boils down to a lot of talk instead of, a lot of strategy. Everybody has a strategy, but is anybody implementing these strategies? But also, we have to also redefine what it means to be educated, because what you've said is a lot of stuff about how you educate that. But nobody's educating this. Where oh, is yeah. empathy? Yeah, the brain. Where mm -hmm. the class is in empathy. Right. Where the class is in learning how to talk to people you're uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. Where is that? Yeah. But, but in reality, when you show up in a public space, the first reaction starts here. Right, that yes. is true. You that have to true. convince yourself. You have to talk yourself into stuff. Your first reaction is always here. Yeah. So where are those classes? Mm, we do not. We do not offer those classes. Yeah, about teaching people how to deal with trauma, yeah. and how to not let your trauma present itself in the room, fear. Mm -hmm. You know all this other stuff. How to walk into a room and gauge it in a place with a positive attitude. Mm -hmm. as opposed to with a negative one mm -hmm. you know how your life is informing you everywhere you go right and now you can switch that off and on right you know it's 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 crazy it's it's, it's crazy and, and one of the reasons for me is because i tend to do a lot of things that have to do with history because i think that there's nothing new under the sun 
If you want to know what's coming ahead, just look behind. That's There's true. nothing new under the sun. That's true. And when you read all this historical stuff, I remember I was reading extensively about World War II. I was reading World War II like it was going out of style, man. <laughs> and I was curious, like for real, I was curious. And I was, because I was trying to figure out how an entire nation of 80 million people or something could yeah. be convinced yeah. to start a world war <laughs> and, to, and, and the Holocaust. Like, yeah. how, how does this happen? Right. And I was reading every book imaginable, written first-hand, second-hand, third-hand, first perspective, God's perspective, one, you, you name it. I was reading everything. And I remember this, I was talking to a producer like two weeks ago. It's the first person who asked me, and it just came out of my mouth. And he asked, because I was telling him about this, he said, well, what was your general takeaway from it? And I said, I fundamentally learned something. He said, what? I said, that we are all Adolf Hitler. <laughs> oh, wow. And he said, what? And I was like, I said, wait, hold on. I said, give me a minute. That just slipped out of my mouth. And I said, fundamentally, I realized that we are all capable. Yes. Of doing bad. Yeah. It is the person who believes that they are not who's the problem. Mm. Because if you, leave, you, if you believe you are, then you spend your life making sure you're paying attention to the landmines. Mm -hmm. So you never become it. Mm -hmm. But if you believe you can never become it, mm -hmm. then you will become it and never realize you are it. Mm. Yeah, wow, that's intense. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but if you know you're capable of both, yeah. you can get, you can, if you know, because the problem with Western ideology, I believe, is black and white. Mm. surprisingly enough also that's how they de define race black and white most of humanity exists in gray right that's fact mm -hmm. that's fact mm -hmm. black and white like good bad oh mm -hmm. this is a bad feeling this is a wrong this is a good feeling this is a bad feeling i think that's something very problematic they're all human emotion right but if you teach people how to process each type mm -hmm. and how to use each type to move in a positive way fear is a wonderful emotion but everybody says, don't be afraid but if you look at a lot of things that humanity has created, it's because it's in response to fear. I want to make sure I see my mom. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for Delta Airlines that can put me on a plane to go see. See what I mean? Like, so it's understanding that there is no negative emotion. It's, an, it's just a negative response to it. Right. If you figure out what you can do with it that mm -hmm. is positive, mm -hmm. then you're switching the dying. You're switching. It's, 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 you're changing what is that word I'm trying to look for? Because sometimes I'm writing things in three different languages. I'm like, English has gone, English has taken a break. You have to do the paradigm shift. Yeah, paradigm shift, right. Yeah, and that's why I think it's so important as humanity to read across the board. Right. To, uh, to go read things from the East and read books from the Middle East and because ideas are spread out. And so find them wherever it is they may be. And then you will find really what is the nugget of truth that you're looking for in your own life. And I'm the, all I'm sharing is the nuggets in my own life. In your own life, yeah. I do not dictate this to anybody. I always feel it is very problematic to tell people how to live their lives because mm -hmm. it's, like a, it's like a butterfly. You don't cut the cocoon. <laughs> Let it figure its way out. You know, if it's going to, it's going to fall into a ditch, you'll be like, whoa, look out for that ditch. But you keep moving. Because mm -hmm. if they want to fall in the ditch, they'll fall in the ditch, get up, have a scraped knee, and that scraped knee might inform them later on. But it's... It's, it's, that's why I'm so anti-evangelism. Uh, it's not your job. Right. You don't know anybody well enough to know their destiny and why they're walking the road. They're walking. Shut the hell up. Yeah. Let them walk. Right. You know, but that's my philosophy in life. And even, even in evangelism, right? Even in evangelism. It, it don't is get that... me started with religion. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it's too late in the day. We could be there for five hours. <laughs> hey, but people still have to make their way even in that religion. So you are on the right path. Do you? Even in Do you? there, you gotta make your own way. Do you? Yeah. Do you? I don't want to taint anybody with my own ideas. Do right. you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and let the path take you to growth, you know. Because <laughs> your journey is yours. Yes. You live your life. Yeah. Live it fully. I always tell people, let people live their lives as long as they're not causing any harm. Yeah. Let them do them. Let yeah. them do they start to cause harm. <laughs> That's when you you open your eyes and now yeah. Now you gotta take a position. Yeah. And a decisive one. Yeah. Because I don't I can't stand people who sit on fences. <laughs> uh, let me tell you something about a fence. When war yeah. breaks out, the fence is the first thing to go. So go. <laughs> so true. I know you, you just said you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to touch religion. Yeah, but touch religion. Isn't it fascinating though how Queen Nyinga was able to find her way even using the Pope at the time? Well, right. well, the thing about Queen Jinga that I love is she understood, at some point, she clearly understood who she was fighting. Right. And sometimes when you're fighting your enemy, you have to use all the tools your enemy has given you and figure out how each tool is going to be able to sustain you and how you're going to be able to survive. Right. And so maybe, if, you know, it's, it's in figuring out that, you know what? If I purport to be a Christian and the holiest of them, then I could get an audience with the Pope. And if the right. Pope is in charge of all these people, then the Pope can tell these people to leave me the God and heck alone. Yeah. Yeah. But I think sometimes people don't understand the choices people make. Like, you know, Christianity in Africa was a tool. Mm -hmm. uh, people came for different reasons. You know, people like David Livingston, you know, people like Richard, um, uh, what is it? David Livingstone specifically said that the, pro the purpose of colonialism was to Christianize, colonize, and commercialize Africa. The three C's. Any African knows that. Well, at least any Kenyan knows that because we had to study that. Then you have Robert Speaky of the people who came to explore. You know, they came and explored and then opened the way for Christianity to come in and then opened the way for the landowners to come in. Yep. You know, it was like, what did uh, uh, late president say? Uh, when the white man came, he we had the land. Yep. So when the white man came, he had the Bible, we had the land. When he yeah. left, he had the land, we had the Bible. That's right. So there is that concept mm -hmm. of it, you know, and um, it is what it is in that, in that, in that regard. But each person has to figure out their way mm -hmm. to it, through it, beyond it, whatever it is they feel like they have to do with it. Right. I, as I said, I am not touching religion. I could. This is just not the avenue for it. No, this is not the avenue. <laughs> we touch it enough on that yeah, because it's it's like I really respected her ability to to be flexible with the times in which she found herself. You have to be to survive. Right. And that was a fundamental thing about this moment in time because when you look at the story of Jinnah, that is really the diaspora is really now in full fledged it's being formed its body is being moved out in mass mm -hmm. and you have those who are still like in that space where it is survival where I, I have to save the little i can i'm going to save this 50 people and then they come for those 50 and then you're like i'm going to save this 25 then i'm going to send this five and then eventually you're also on the boat going right so right. nobody gets saved in the end. Right. And it was a whole cause where people are like, well, why didn't they fight back? And I was like, well, you have people coming to you with gunpowder and Maxim guns. And I, I just, I don't know right. what the situation was like. And I'm grateful that I was not in a position to make any kind of choices. But mm -hmm. 
I will ask this question usually because I don't know. I can't look back there to figure out what's going on. But I can say unequivocally right now, today. Today is March 28th, 2023. Mm -hmm. If on this day, Today, 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 China, Russia, the United States, Western Europe, Israel, Australia decided they were going to recolonize Africa. What Whoa. would Africa do? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What would we do? Wow. I, I, I just saw history repeating itself. We don't have, we don't make any weapons. I just saw history repeating itself. Yeah. We, a lot of us have good intents, but that doesn't do any good to anybody. One of the reasons why I do, why I do what I do is because it's, I'm hoping to start up not just Africa, but the diaspora to understand that our birthright is that continent. Right. And that continent needs us. Yeah. It yeah. needs us. We're the only ones who can save it. I was watching this wonderful documentary where this woman was saying, I think it was a guy, was saying that everybody keeps saying that the West is giving aid to Africa, but when you really look at it, based on the resources the West is taking out of Africa, Africa is really giving aid to the rest of the world. Uh, absolutely. That's yeah. the, the real truth right there. Yeah. But now, what I also love is what's happening in Africa is also the fact that we have the youngest population. Average age is what, 16, 17 years old? Yeah. And these kids in Africa right now don't give Fs. <laughs> they do not. And I just, I watch them sometimes. I'm like, what, what? there you go. I'm so glad I'm not about to, I'm, I'm heading towards the grave. I'm leaving it to you kids. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. Because they are all yeah. just pro. There, yeah. There's a sense of, um, of loving and yeah. belonging and ownership yeah. of the continent that is fantastic to see. Yeah. Yeah. And and then we, I, and if we give them the right tools, we just lay the foundations perfectly and just keep handing it over to the next generation. We might not see it, but it will happen. It I will fundamentally happen. believe it will happen. No, it will happen. I might not live to see it, but I'll know when I'm standing with the ancestors, I'll be like, look at them, look, look at them kids. <laughs> kids just did. Oh, <laughs> let's wait for them to cross over. We got a big party, you know. Live <laughs> folks always having a party. I love that you said that because it's I my nephews. I I when I would go home to visit and I would listen to some of the music they were listening to, and I was like, huh, do these kids even know anything about their African culture? And then they eventually moved here. And they are the one teaching me about the music. They are the one teaching me about the dance move. They are the one I was like, I, I, I was Wait like, a minute. Why you don't, why, why you have to be taught? You ain't paying attention. No, like, they, you know, like my generation, I still have to be, I'm still stuck with some of the music from my generation. Right. That's fine, honey. But which, it's which music are you talking about? Huh? Which music are you talking about? What, what are you listening to? Wait. Drop some names. Drop some names. <laughs> I am still a very big fan of like Manu Dibango. Listen to like all this. Are you music. saying you're not listening to Fireboy? See, no, I don't. Maybe yeah. I'm music. I don't know which one Fireboy is. Oh, God. Fireboy, listen. Fireboy, Fireboy. Listen, Peru. Hold on. Wait, oh, Peru. Peru. Uh -huh. Not even Peru. Hold Peru. on. Uh, I... <laughs> hold on. Hold on. My friend. Hold on. Somebody out there just make you. 
Fireboy. My favorite Fireboy song is Vibration. Have you heard that song? I don't know. Ah, honey, hold on. We just. You wake up in the morning and you oh. start with this. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. Okay. 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 Hold on. Hold okay. on. I have to say this. I have to say this. Naija is showing up and showing up. I'm so proud of my Naija people. You are so right. Ah, I love my Naija brothers and sisters. So Naija right. is just in this space and they're taking it and yes. I'm loving it. Yes. And every time they drop something, I'm like, I'm so sad Ebony passed. She was yeah. Oh, she was so good. But yeah. the thing is this. It is very important for us as the diaspora. Maybe not even the diaspora, as the continent of Africa. To be able to celebrate each other like this. Because yeah. this is unifying the continent. Those borders that were put up, they were not put by us. Yes, so no. we may not be able to erase them geographically. But please, yeah. I tell my Africans, remove them from your mind. Yeah. So when Fireboy drops something, you are yeah. there. When I don't care what is happening with the, in South Africa, you're there. Yeah, You're lifting the whole continent. When something is going on in Kenya, Cameroon. Because yeah. let yeah. me tell you something. It was Coffee Olomide. We we listen oh. to Kofi, we don't know what Kofi Olomide was saying. We still don't know what Kofi Olomide was saying. We're still dancing to it. <laughs> yes, dancing to Kofi. Like, what, what is this man saying? Oh, nobody knows. We will mouth with Kofi all day. Shalamwana, God rest her soul in peace. I don't know what she was saying. What is Mimi Abel talking about? You don't know. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it. But. You know San Fran Thomas? I'm come on. San Fran Thomas, tell me about San Fran Thomas. Hold on. Hold on. What was that song that San Fran Thomas sang that everybody was like, San Fran Thomas, where are you? San Fran Thomas, what, what was that song? And he was beautiful. Back in the day, we were young and we were like, oh, San Fran Thomas is so cute. And you were like five years old. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I gotta find San Fran Thomas. Now, now, I think it's now. I don't know what this man is saying. I don't know why he's saying either, and I'm Cameroonian. I know. And then he was like, Where's the video? <laughs> yeah, this man came into the scene, and young African, that's like, Oh my god, he's so good. <laughs> but what is he saying? We don't know. And he loves this song because I when I was going, I was going from Kakamega back to on a bus, and I was going from Kakamega all the way back to Manila. No, to Manila. To uh um Nairobi. What are you doing, are you doing Kakamega? <laughs> yeah, I was I was not every day that I hear like, oh, I was in Kakamega. <laughs> yeah. For the last two years, for the last three years, I've, I've been working on this PhD. So, oh, what's I, your PhD about? It's uh, cultural relevant education in Kisi. That's a topic. So, I, what I did was I studied. What's with you and Kisi? 
Well, that's why I did my research. Okay, that's cultural, why cultural. cultural relevant education. So I looked at the cultural relevant elements of education for Kisi's K-12 schools. So the whole idea was going back and looking at the culture of the Kisi people by talking to like teachers, students, teachers um, yeah. and different groups and even the really old people like in their 70s and say, okay, finding out what are the cultural things that they value and then seeing how those can be uh, recommended because I, I don't have the, the funds to go apply it, recommend it for the schools there to apply just to help the curriculum to be less Eurocentric. Ah, okay. I guess what, oh, sorry, I guess what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. So no, the, Kenya, the, the Kenya education system, which is what I went through, yeah. is very, um, how can I put it? It's not very cultural. It's not very like ethnic specific because to go to, 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 to apply it for the Kisi, that's very ethnic specific. Ethnic. But Kenya has, what, 24 different languages? Yeah. ethnic tribes so what, what works for the kisi will not work for the meru will not work for the gamba yeah. the kikuyu yeah. the luo the giriyama the turkana yeah. the tegan the maasai the samburu the, you know yeah. the luya yeah. mm -hmm. that's true and that's why i was like i can't it cannot be brought it can't be something like i just do all food. no because of all of that so i had to pick one tribe yeah. Which, even in that tribe, it's like a small region in the tribe. And I, I figure it out for that tribe. And then if it's something that I have the funding in the future, then I'll keep extending it and extending mm -hmm. it. But it, it would be nice to take the model and apply it in the school and see if there is impact. Yeah. Like if there is an impact because of the elements that are like really infused back into the child's learning, and then maybe other villages would want to uh, follow the same model and infuse it and actually help our kids to to be more culturally relevant in their learning. Mm. Yeah. That's so fascinating. Yeah. I wonder whether that builds a more unified or a more segregated nation, though. That, that, so it's, it's, it's the challenge is, it's not quite a challenge because when... Um, there are things that have already, you guys have already laid the groundwork where they have picked up things that work from across the tribes and they incorporated them into some of the lessons. So you're really good at trying to see, to create that awareness by bringing up things like the rite of passage. You can read about the rite yeah, of yeah. passage books and things like that. So there are those elements that are unifying. Yeah. But they are also but, but, yeah. a tribe. So I love to know about my tribal stuff. <laughs> like I mean, oh, yeah. I want tribal stuff. So the curriculum, therefore, will just be enhancing a child's knowledge about their tribe, about their ethnic, about background. yeah, background. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting because you know everybody has, I believe, because you know. I have a group of friends of us who are from the same ethnic group. We're constantly passing out information about cultural norms, taboos, traditions, how mm -hmm. to pronounce different things, words we didn't know existed. Right. And um, and it's always heavily fascinating finding out who your people want, who your people are, mm -hmm. not who they were, they still are. Yeah. Who your people are, and by and asking what they believed, and it's 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 so fundamentally 
important to us, self, self knowledge, in my opinion. But also, I think fundamentally, I think why that also becomes sometimes a bit of a problem is because this is really just one of the um, negative consequences, in my opinion, of colonialism was this idea that you could group a whole group of people who have been living separate and put them into one country and then expect them to govern each other when yeah. fun their fundamental beliefs, their fundamental taboos and their fundamental yeah. uh, moral, yeah. moral compasses are very, very different. Yes. That's you start to have the conflict about somebody who's like, well, you're, what you're doing here is something that's completely against my people's beliefs. Yes. Then you have all those conflicts. It's, it's yes. fascinating. I'm curious to see Africa in, in, 100, in 200 years. Right. Yeah. I'm curious I, to see where we will be. Right. Like something like circumcision. Circumcision, especially for the females, um, I, it, was, it was dicey. Like that one was okay. a very dicey thing. Um, for me to talk about in the country, oh, because when I when I studied the Kisi tribe, the, my one takeaway was that the people were not very happy with the way that the government handled ending female circumcision. So okay. it wasn't necessarily that they. There's a lot. There's quite a few of them that were all power to female circumcision. They still really believe in female circumcision but there's also those of them that argue that the government did not know the purpose behind circumcision in general like, which was which was a period when their girls were educated in the ways of so it's it's, it's a phase in the child's education mm -hmm. so it wasn't necessarily about the cutting of the skin mm -hmm. It was about the process of getting her from one stage of life to the next. And I just removing the cutting and banning it, it almost gave the impression to some of the villagers that your child did not need to go through that phase of preparation, that educational preparation phase. Mm. So that's where the pushback became. Like now our girls are are not acting the way they would have acted or they don't know some basic things that they would have learned during that period. So like, did they assume, so when the government got rid of FGM, was it, did the government say do not have the ceremony or did the government say do not have the cutting? That is why they are, the, the few that were opposed to the idea or that kind of had um, like a grievance towards the idea was that the government did not say anything. He just said, stop female circumcision. But they are not saying that female circumcision was like perfect. We want to keep doing it. It's like, why didn't you sit down with us and let's figure out a strategy that will work for us after that particular action was stopped? Because when they say stop, it just felt like it was a stop for everything to do even the process of the learning, they didn't even bring that up. So some people assumed, a lot of people assumed that it was a stop of everything instead of just the cutting. So the government did not make it clear that it was just the cutting, keep up the process, which is why in, in, in creating change, it's important to always educate. Right, you educate a little bit more about the change and have the people that are going to be impacted by that change 
Yeah, food involved. <laughs> yeah, and I took the bus. I was like, I'm taking the bus all the way to Nairobi. And I, the driver was playing some of these songs. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so we go back to this song. Where are the niches? We, we, we really have to make room for each other. Yeah. Look, let's listen to what our African brothers are playing out over here. Yeah. I'm loving things that this is my favorite. South Africa is also. Hey, yeah, do everybody knows uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, <laughs> you know this song? I love this kid. He created a whole dance where in which you just, the, 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 the dance where you just collapse. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. See, you're educating me. I don't know That's that one. Well, you, got, you just have to, you just have to take your, your Spotify or your Pandora and put, I don't know, just pick Davido or pick, uh, let's see, you just pick a, a singer. You can pick yeah, Davido. Davido probably wouldn't give you. Yeah, pick Davido. If you pick Fireboy or you pick, um, uh, let's see, you just pick one of these singers. You'll, you'll see a mix that just starts to play and then that's how you keep yourself up to date in what, right. is, what is the music that's playing. And right now it's just... Afrobeats, it's the Afro thing. Yeah, it's like every day, every time I turn and I don't, I think I am caught up. Something else is out that is new, and yeah, you can never be caught up. Amazing, like it's amazing. Like, yeah, how, how quickly they turn stuff, but they are turning really good music. It's really not good music. Like turning whatever they're turning really good music. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to do what we always do. <laughs> What do we always do? <laughs> you give them, you give them an inch. They take the whole mile. You take the whole market. They're gonna take the whole market in music. They're gonna, they're gonna take it. Like it's just that simple. It and they're so good. But also, it depends on your definition of the whole market. Because when I saw about the diaspora, I'm not looking at just the music that's coming out of the continent of Africa. Yeah, I'm looking at the music that's that's coming out. Black people across the board, like yeah, what is coming out in R and B? Yeah, what is coming out. It's it's a and and it's just the whole totality of it all. Yeah. Even like when I sit here and people are like, oh, do you listen to K-pop? I'm like, oh yeah. K-pop is really hip hop. Yeah. Have, have you heard? They, I, I don't know which band it is, but they took, they have the Nigerian, the pigeon in their, in their music. And it was a K-pop music, uh, musicians, but they were playing sounds that were very Afrobeat with the, with the, with the, with the pigeon language. Like I saw Wait. that on Instagram and I was like, whoa, these people can break down this pigeon this well. Like if I wasn't really like, if the guy wasn't saying that the musicians were playing they were they were Asian. I would not have known that. The, 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 Wait, the, what are you talking about? Because I have I feel some type of way about all this sampling that's coming out from people who are sampling. I'm like, are you giving credence to the people you're sampling from, Louis Vuitton, or are you just taking it? <laughs> Listen, because because okay, yeah. we, we have to also have to realize that yeah. in culture, in the selling of culture, there's wealth. Yeah, because they're not taking it and giving it out for free. Right. They're making money off of it. Money from it. Yes. yes. Yeah. So is that money going back to the source? Mm -hmm. Definitely not. I don't, I, definitely yeah, not. Because me, I'm big on that. I'm like, okay, you can do, but you, you better pay royalties to them. Yeah. Because we cannot keep having, see, the thing is, 
there's this expulsion that's coming out of Africa. There's the taking of bodies. There's the taking of gold. There's the taking of ivory. There's the taking of this. The taking of intellectual property. Right. We have to be very careful about that. Yeah. Because the most important thing is that your stories about you have to be told by you. You cannot let people take stories about yourself and go tell them. Because mm -hmm. then you get written out of history. Right. Or written in a way that is not correct. That's right. why I'm in this space. Yeah. It's very important to me to fill this space. So when it comes to art, I'm always like, who's creating it? And I will take meetings and people are like, okay, we're going to tell this story. And I'm like, do you have a Ghanaian in the room? Right. While you're writing this story that's from Ghana. Right. They will ask, do you have a Ghanaian? You're, does, I don't have to be in the room, but do you have a Ghanaian in the room? Right. You have to have a Ghanaian in the room. And your Ghanaian experience are two different experiences. Yeah, but the thing is, you have to tell, you have to use the words. I'll be like, because we are not here for you to recolonize Africa's intellectual property. And once mm. you say that, the room listens. Because right. I'm not here for that. Right. Right. No, we're not doing that. Yeah. That is that is really uh, uh, a powerful thing. I was having the same conversation with my nephews yeah. um, just Saturday. We were having this very conversation, and I was trying to tell them the importance of 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 telling African stories in the right way, like yes. Africans telling their own stories, or <laughs> the importance of correcting some of the historical uh, uh, what they call facts that. Yeah not actual facts so and he kept one of one of them kept pushing pushing and saying well doesn't it happen in, in all society i was like but for the african society we have the ability now to be able to change <laughs> some of these things that were told about us incorrectly and yep. until you're aware that there's a lot of things that were told about you incorrectly you're gonna keep on letting people tell your stories incorrectly so you yeah. need to be aware of it so that when somebody is doing something you're looking at that intellectual property of that thing you're looking about you're looking at it and saying are they telling the story the way it's supposed to be told or are they telling it from the way they see it mm -hmm. and, and it, it was it was a very difficult thing for 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 one of them to quit quite to grasp mm -hmm. but i felt that it was important to really emphasize it and I used even my research, for example. I said, look, I went to Kenya, but when I go to Kenya, I'm not just going to do things. Uh, if somebody in uh, in Kisi tells me that this is something, I'm going to reference that person in Kisi who said it because I don't want to just take their knowledge and because I'm the writer of that paper, pass it up like I am the one who coined that phrase. So mm -hmm. we have to be very aware and careful to make sure that people are credited for the things that they do, especially, especially if you are an African. I hope it, it, it helped. So I hope that 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 knowledge, they grab something from it. But I'm so glad that to hear you say it also, you know, to really let our young people, even us, even the older people, sometimes we, we fail to really bring in the importance of these things in, mm -hmm. in the writing rooms. Or, yeah. Do you feel like one question that was on my mind was as a black woman in the space today, right? Like you are, you're, you're taking your place to make sure that you reclaim some of this thing and create a legacy that other young black women or black men can build upon. But do are there sacrifices you've had to make? For example, Queen Ninga, she made a lot of sacrifices 
just mm -hmm. to get that stability for her for her for her time as a black woman in the in the industry have you made a lot of sacrifices that you feel that were unnecessary if you were not a black woman i think one of the things that most black african black whatever you want to call us uh people of um minorities in this industry feel like they the thing that they they compromise the most is time it takes mm -hmm. us a lot longer to get into these spaces mm -hmm. than let's say the average mm -hmm. so one of the things you spend a lot of time in is fighting to get in takes a lot longer mm -hmm. so there are some things you might have wanted to do that you're like okay so i'm not going to get to do that because mm -hmm. i'm too busy focusing on this and then you know i think that's it but in a way of comp but i don't think it's a compromise thing mm -hmm. i think it's just you make a choice mm-hmm Compromise means I was given options and I decided to pick one over the other. That's true. And <laughs> and I kind of, if you've not figured out my personality by now, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> huh? Like when you said compromise, the first thing I thought of was Arthur Kate when she was asked, do you compromise? And she was like, for what? And I was like, wait, my girl. Um, I don't know. No, I have the privilege of working with really amazing people. Right. The team that did, oh my God, I can't even figure out where I am. The team that did in Jinga. Yeah. First of all, you have Notopia on there. Right. And that's the thing Utopia does effortlessly is they do docu-series that are based on fact. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to make anything up. They want to make sure it's factual. If it's not factual, it's not going to be in there. Right. So you have to do research. They have got armies of people who are researching and researching and everything has to be proved and double proved and triple proved, right. you know. So you have Notopia there, you have Westbrook, you know, they're yeah. on there, you have Netflix, who their thing is, everything has to be excellent. Right. So you have, you're working with producers like that. You're mm -hmm. working with producers like that, the producer I'm working with right now, where everybody's interested in hearing the African voice. Right. So when you're in spaces like this, there's no need to compromise because they're coming to you and saying, who are you? Put mm -hmm. it on paper. Right. <laughs> put it on paper so we see it. Okay. What does this mean? And you explain it. They're like, okay. And then they'll tell you, you yeah. put it on paper. You're going to stand behind this as African, right? Okay, good. <laughs> so you have to also be sure about who you are and what you're doing right and that you have the blessings of the powers that be i always believe in the blessings of the ancestors before i do anything mm -hmm. if the ancestors stay and say no i i bow out i'm like yeah this is not my project to do right uh, but if they say move forward then i move forward and i check in every step of the way if i feel uncomfortable and i'm like yeah somebody in the bloodline is like this ain't right <laughs> we have to we have we have to stop and be like okay yeah. Who's having a problem here? Right. Almost feels like you're talking to ghosts, but you're not. You're just talking to the ancestral plane because they're right. right there. If there's anything I believe is that the ancestors exist because I right. am because they were. So, hey. Right. Uh, so for me, there's never any need to compromise mm -hmm. because my purpose in life is not given to me. It's not my own. It's a, it's, it's, I'm not doing something for myself. Right. You know, I'm doing something that I've been called to do. Right. I don't have a choice. This is what I was. I was. My mother will tell you. I have been telling stories ever since I was a kid. Ever right. since I was. Ever since I could talk. I was called to do this. I fundamentally believe that. Mm -hmm. So there's no need for me to compromise. I just walk the road that is laid out before me by my ancestors. They say go left. I go left. Mm -hmm. If you, if somebody says you need to compromise this, I'll be like, my ancestors are not have nothing to do with this because mm -hmm. they would never put me in a position where anything to me feels uncomfortable in my body, where I feel like I am. I am shortchanging something. Mm -hmm. Right. That's my fundamental belief. That so. is powerful. That is no, that is that is really powerful. And um 
coming in an, being in an industry that is uh, uh, like like I've been in the industry for what seventeen years, and um, I have been in situations where it was you were presented with a, a bad option or a bad option, right? So it it, it is one of those things where I what did you do? No, I I I I walk away from both options. Okay, I'm not gonna. You, do you, yeah, you gotta yeah, put so that in here, go. Right. Yes. right. Yeah, exactly. So a bad option, a bad option, I walk away. And it boils down to knowing who you are. Exactly. Really knowing who you are to the core. And you would go and say, okay, the ancestors is not going to align with this. Or I would say, yes, my mom will not accept this. My dad will not accept this. I will not accept this for me. And mm -hmm. coming from a Christian background, I'll be like, that definitely does not sit with my values. So it's like, I have to know even beyond my own faith, I have to know exactly who I am, what I am able to do, what I'm willing to do in every situation, what I'm willing to give up in every situation. Hold on. How do you know who you are? Now I'm pushing back because you have conflicting ideologies. How do you know who you are? So the the interesting thing is when uh -huh. you come, when you How come, do you know from, who you are. I know who I am because How? first of all, I know from my Christian faith to one mm -hmm. and my bloodline, my parents, 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 parents. So defining who I am is starting with my mother, and then I go backwards to my ancestor. So there is something in my bloodline, in my ancestor, in knowing where I come from that has formed the woman that I am. And then there is also something with knowing a higher power that allows me to traverse some type of difficult terrains in life and make certain decisions that I would not make if I didn't have the confidence and the faith and just the belief that there is a higher power that is guiding me. So those are my, my faith and knowing who I am as an African woman, the daughter of Pauline and Joseph Akumbo, the sons of Ndifun, the son of Virgil, of uh, uh, Afombwe, and all the way to the fourth or fifth sixth seventh generation where they came from why they came from where they were what they did how they lived their life the mistakes they made what do i need to avoid how would they want me to carry myself and things like that so all of those things completely put together are the things that make me ruth akumbo right so i have a question for you do you know what your people believed before christianity showed up Yes, they do. Like my family, my family home, they had um, their own shrine where <laughs> they would pray and make their, their, their sacrifices and their worship to the ancestors. They do have that. And then that was, that was maybe up to like my grandparents. Mm -hmm. Then my grandparents became less, they didn't do a lot of the sacrifices. They started mm. going to church more. Mm -hmm. but they still have that knowledge of what uh, who are my ancestors mm -hmm. what are the values my ancestors carry and they do like there's this one thing that 
I grew up and my father would do. And it will be, we would do the tanganju. The tanganju mm -hmm. is my truth. Mm. Before I leave for an adventure, before I leave for anything, mm. I, it's like before, even after you say the prayer, you still tangle your juice because you put like a little, there's a little thing you put in your hand and mm. you speak. You will speak and speak and speak and speak and speak and speak. Like you, will, if it's you're going for for something and you're like, you speak, Lord, or not even Lord, you will just talk about, for example, if I wanted to go to a trip in Africa, mm. right? And I knew that I was going to go to a place that was dangerous. So it was a trip that I have never been. I would talk about all the fears that I have, mm. talk about all the, the, the concerns that I know might and might before me, all the troubles that might mm -hmm. before me on the way. I would talk about if I have enemies, what my enemies might want from me. Mm. Right? And then I would say, my purity is this. I would state all the things that are pure about me, that I know are pure about mm. me. How mm. I have no evil in my heart for anybody. Mm. How I wish people well on my path. How mm. I'm going to support people on my path, how I can be the best version of me on this journey. Mm. And once I have spoken my truth, I will go to the door, I blow it out. Mm. So I and what was, what was, what is you guys' creation myth? <clears throat> if you have one. What was that? Do you have, guys, do you have a creation myth, like how your people came to be? Mm, or no? No, I don't think my tribe does. And if maybe they do, I haven't heard of it. So I haven't what is, heard yeah. What is fascinating about African philosophy and spirituality is Africans do not believe in a return to heaven. Did you know that? There's no African tribe that I believe that believes in a return to heaven. There's no original sin, and therefore there's no return. There's no need for grace and a return to heaven. Right. Your purpose so, is here, and right. then you move to the central plane. Yeah. The ancestral plane. Yes. <laughs> and and in fundamentally fundamentally like if i talk to most people in my tribe fundamentally we all believe in 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 the, uh, that, that we will see our ancestors again so yes. it, it, it's not necessarily in heaven mm -hmm. in the ancestral plane, ancestral plane but yeah. we all believe that we will see our ancestors again yeah and i'm always curious the libation that's why we do the libation because yes. it's like they they do libation for the ancestors all the mm -hmm. people that will speak in the water and then pour the water at the door yeah. is because they're asking the ancestors to travel with them and go with them. Um, I think my, my, my one question would be, why, why Queen, Queen Nyinga? Because that's Jinga. That's, queen Jinga is not the only queen, right? There is Queen Nina. So it's, yeah. it's, that's not the only queen in, in, uh, of the African queens. Why this queen? Why, why would I, I think besides, I think she's one of the most famous ones <clears throat> across the diaspora because you have to think she's famous in Brazil, she's famous in the United States. So across the diaspora, to me, I think she's one of the most famous. But I also think it's not just about fame, it's about the moment in time in which she lives. Mm -hmm. it's, she is caught in this moment when the diaspora is really coming, it's, it's really expanding mm -hmm. and in a very troubling way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important, especially if we want to talk in this moment in time about a story about black people. This is the point in time where in which all our stories are happening at the same time. Mm 
because just as much as the story of the person who's person who's going to be dragged to Brazil or to yeah. the Americas or to the Caribbean is happening, so is the story of colonialism in Africa. Right. So it's such a pivotal point in human history. The colonialism of Africa is happening right at the same time as the the diaspora, the, the spreading out, the enslavement of black people. And I find her to be um, <clears throat> a very complex character who speaks really to about, to about not only the strengths, but also the frailty of humanity, mm-hmm. about the dangers of putting people into a corner so that they make, as you said, compromises. Right. And I always believe a compromise is a, cho- is a choice between two bad choices. And I feel like that's where she was. Right. Um, what I liked about this story also was in reading the book, it's the first time I've seen anybody in writing, and it wasn't surprising because it was written by a woman, of course, by a black woman, mm-hmm. is she addresses the mental health mm-hmm. of how the, the, the king before her died of depression and his mm-hmm. father before him died of depression and potentially for her brother is potentially suicide and it gets you to think what happens to a head of state Mm -hmm. what has become what becomes of him when he can't protect his own people right and that's the reason why there was a specific line that i had to make sure i put in there which is when he says to his sister i cannot lose more than father did Mm. you know because that shows his importance is i have to maintain the kingdom Mm-hmm. And I cannot lose more than father. And Jinga says, but when you make this choice, I can't remember what choice I was making. It was in two and a half years, a year and a half ago. But mm-hmm. when you make this choice, you will lose more than father ever did. And to show that for these people, maintaining the kingdom, maintaining the people, maintaining the people who will worship their ancestors was really mm-hmm. important. And they were mm-hmm. losing that. And the moment you lose that, when you lose a people, you've lost everything. Nobody's going to be there to remember their ancestors. You've literally lost everything. Right. You're, as a people, you're gone. You're erased. And we don't know how many ethnic groups in Africa were erased because of the slave trade. We don't know. Right. How many people just disappeared that used to be? Right. You know. Yeah. I love this one line that I saw in the in the um, advert. I went back and looked at the, at, at the advert. And it says that we are a people born running from extinction yes and that that line that's nene, yeah nene, that's a nene line yes yeah that line just hit me so hard because yeah. i have like my tribe like it's not an origin story in as in the creation story but it's an origin story as in my tribe had to move and travel to where it is today mm-hmm. and i have often argued that my tribe probably was running from something mm-hmm. because nobody just they sometimes they move in in search of better lands and things like yeah. that to graze and 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 grow but it just felt to me like the tribe was running people were moving away from from war from colonialism from being captured as slaves and and from the ocean ocean yeah moving in so and it 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 just hit me because there's so many times where people like well africa is this africa is primitive africa is that and i'm like wait until your own people have to keep running for their lives and surviving and growing you know, when somebody says Africa is primitive, then I have to ask you to define civilized. <laughs> How is that well, working for you? That is a really big topic that I just clicked on right there, though. Like, like 
the whole primitive talk is yeah stupid. Well, 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 you know, because you know, whoever colonizes you gets to define who you are. Whoever yeah. sells you, whoever wants to sell you a snake oil is going to call it, put it in a bottle and call it whatever it wants. Exactly. So if it's like, oh, you're, somebody says, oh, you're primitive. I'm like, oh, define for me civilized. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see what this definition is and how is that working for you? Yeah. Because when you think about it, <laughs> when you think about, when you think about, um, I always use coconut oil because coconut oil to me, I think, distills it down to its basic essence. Yeah. When we were kids, your mother would put coconut oil on your face, on yeah. your hair, on your skin. It was just coconut oil everywhere. It was raw coconut oil. You know that yeah. one that still had the smell? Yes. <laughs> and then you became a teenager and you're like, I'm not interested in all this stuff. I need to use Nivea or whatever the hell. Yes. Was the mm-hmm. And then you come to the West and everybody has discovered what? Coconut oil. Well. <laughs> so you had the coconut oil the whole damn time. But you thought, you know, Nivea, this perfume thing that's giving everybody cancer was the way to go. Then you realize, then they discover, oh my God, this coconut oil has actual properties, which your mother already knew and your grandmother already knew. So I feel like this whole idea of being civilized is really, civilization is just about to sell you products. That's nothing but capitalism. It's about to sell you products that get you either obese or dead. (laughs) And then they revert back to what they've known. Oh, the avocado. What? The coconut. What? <laughs> but Africans have known this all along. But all we have time. we let ourselves be programmed to believe that we don't have anything worth being followed for, so we right. follow. When we right. realize that no, you're the oldest continent. So which means everything here has probably been tried and true. Your people have been doing this because it's been tried and true through generations. Yeah. That's a great we don't need you you don't need it to be lab tested. We don't need to right. test this on an animal. They yeah. have tried this yeah. for generations. Yeah. So that instead of coming to America and saying, I'm going to try this, not be like, ah, no, no, no. How about you try this Sheba oil? Right. Yeah. How about you try this coconut? Somebody's handing you stuff. Like, yeah. like I remember when somebody gave me a Twinkie and I was like, what is this? That's not even food. <laughs> um, that, you know, it's got, and I, I'm, 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 I'm joking because, you know, America has its positives, but it has its negatives. But as soon yeah. as Africa, so right. do we, you know, so do. spaces. So yeah. come and figure out what you can add to the conversation because not the whole the whole conversation is not healthy right there's some things about the west that are completely unhealthy right and then that's where you come in and you be like you know i don't think what this choice is the best choice how about we try this thing because you know my mother used to do, and that's going to help all of humanity move forward you know what right. i mean because right now humanity i feel like humanity is struggling and maybe it's just me mm. but i feel like humanity is struggling yeah. uh, there's a complete imbalance in the system, there's a complete inequality, whether it is gender inequality, whether it's racial inequality, whether it's sexual orientation, there's just a complete inequality. Mm-hmm. And we can't be okay with that. No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't be okay with that. Especially we as a people who are raised community, how to we always taught to be community minded. We cannot be okay with that. Like, oh, I got mine, so I don't care. Mm-hmm. That is in quintessentially, in my opinion, not how our people survive. Right. I agree. And I'm talking about as a human race. As a human race. Yeah. That's not how people survive. Yeah. Because if you don't take care of the least of you. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to take care of the rest of you. No. Period. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. History That's teaches it. you that. Yeah. The weak one amongst you has to be taken care of. Yeah. Otherwise, it's all downhill. Right. For the rest of us. I, I, it's like, can we bottle that and put it in the history book, uh, in, in, in a text, in a leadership book and then let it go? Because it's like what you just said about the African way tested. It's like 
look at our villages they are surviving not because of how the government is being run it's about how the local tribal chiefs and, and systems are working why can we mirror that system across our nation and, and use that as a new form of leadership for us or a form of leadership that has been working for us instead of bringing in this new leadership styles democracy this crazy that crazy that crazy and then all of a sudden we are still we, we are in more of a mess than we are we were with i love that i love that word democracy <laughs> i really do <laughs> that's a topic for another day huh <laughs> No, it's just you have to always check a source. Where is a thing from, and what does yeah. a person who created mean? Yeah, that's why I keep telling people you gotta study history in yeah. every sense of the word. Yeah. Figure out what these words mean and who coined them and why. Right. You know, like I love it when people are like, "Ah, oh, yeah, I read the Bible, the King James." I'm like, you know, that's the name of a leader. Yeah. So why would you <laughs> name of a leader in a spiritual book? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, sorry. Hey, so I know we can go all day, but I want you to, is there something that you're working on that I should keep an eye on? God, there's always stuff we're working on. So I think there's supposed to be season two of African Queens is going to pop off at some point. I'm not Yay! quite sure. I'll let you know. Uh, and then, uh, the other stuff, you know, in this industry, the things you don't even talk, you, there's stuff okay. being worked on, but you're not authorized to say anything. So just yes. say there's stuff happening. Okay. Okay. So we should just keep an eye out, but that's keep good. Keep an eye out. That's good news. Season two. Yeah. That's good news. Keep an eye, keep an eye out. They stop. Okay. Pop up. Yes. All right. So I will let you know. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me, my dear. Absolutely. All right. 